Hello friends and welcome back to the podcast. So I'm excited to do today's episode because it's been very much needed. I have not done an about me episode until, uh, sorry, since like 2019. I think I started my podcast at the very beginning of 2019, if I remember correctly. Jelly, Jelly, find your place and shut up. Um, there is stuff happening. It's like Christmas season. If you're watching a little video, then you can see that I've got Santa Claus behind me. It's a whole vibe. We're still trying to get my podcast studio set up, etc. So in this about me episode, I am going to kind of share with you guys what's gone on in the last four years. I really figured that it was time to give you a new about me because there's a bit, a bit that's happened in the last four years. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the episode kind of in chunks via topics to keep it a little, I kind of want to keep it on track versus jumping around and getting everybody really confused. So I'm going to go through like lockdown and COVID relationships, health um, and business as the kind of four main pillars and walk you through what has, I guess, evolved over the last four years since the very, very beginning of my podcast. Um, I will say I and I have been talking, I've talked about this in the recent couple of episodes in regards to the New Year's Eve bundle, but I really do quantum leap through life. I'm not saying this actually from like any kind of other standpoint, then I just want you guys to have the same kind of experience. I blow myself away, honestly. Um, this is not coming from like an egotistical point of view. This is coming across from kind of me looking at myself from like almost an outsider higher level perspective. Um, my fiance always will say to me, I'll be like, oh yeah, a few years ago, he's like, okay, a few is like five. So what are we talking? And I'm like, oh wait, last year. Because I just feel like so much happens for me in a year compared to the average person person, and compared to, I guess, what's what we really normalize. Um, so I'm excited to share with you guys everything that has, has happened in the last four years. It feels like it's been way more than four years based on what has happened in these years. So buckle up, hang tight, get some popcorn. But I really do want to emphasize emphasize that I do move a lot. I do move through a lot every year. And for someone so young, my clients and people always do say, how do I have so much wisdom? How have you been through so much, et cetera? And I attest it to throwing myself deeply into things every year. I throw myself in the deep and I don't stay anywhere or do anything or in anything where I feel stuck or stale. I'm always groving, groving. Wow. I'm always growing and evolving in at least one area of life um, at any given time. Sometimes I'm growing in all areas of life. Sometimes it's just one. And I will say, it doesn't mean that you need to always be having this growth mindset by any means, because you're allowed to want to just chill out in some stability for a second and not be growing and evolving. I know I go through phases where I'm like, God, I would just, the things I would do to just be able to breathe and not be growing in any aspect right now and actually just be really, be in a position where I could just sit in this life for a month and have nothing change and really be able to take it in. And I've also used it as a reminder for myself that because my I want to say my life goes really quickly and it's what I'm saying that in terms of everyone's life goes quickly, right? Life does go quickly, but in terms of what I have in any given point in my life, it seems to go very, very quickly. And, um, it's made me realize that I have to appreciate each moment that I'm in for what it is. It's made me realize that I really, really, really do have to be present because things go away in an instant. Life changes in an instant. So the more present, the more that we can receive each moment, I think we could all benefit a little bit from that to say the least. Okay. So let's jump in starting with lockdown and COVID. So let's quickly talk about 2019 before I even get into lockdown. So obviously none of us knew what was going to happen the next year. Um, And in 2019, my business really blew up. So in 2018, I've talked about this before, in 2018, my business was growing and I was really getting momentum in what I would say was a very, very new industry. Nobody at the time was talking on Instagram about periods. Like people would say hormones, but no one would say periods and cervical fluid and blood and blood clots and 
blah, 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 blah. But I was unafraid to go to, I was unafraid to dive into the topics that people would still feel iffy about. It was like you have these hormone experts that are talking about hormones, but they actually still have shame about their own cycle because they don't say it the way that women want to hear it. They say it in this, in this perfect sciencey terminology and jargon that doesn't feel as relatable and as authentic as the way in which we use it and describe our cycles in real life. So my business really took off in 2018 towards the end of it. I had been trying to grow my business for years prior to that. I actually had really started quite a few businesses before that, not even to, not to get into it, but I feel like I've been an entrepreneur since day dot. Um, And so my business started to take off 2018. In 2019, I started my podcast. I'm pretty sure I started it at the beginning of 2019. Um, I haven't gone back and checked, but I'm very sure. I'm like 99% sure. So my podcast started. That was great. I started it because I had so many of you guys being like, please start an effing podcast. At that point, you know, Instagram, you couldn't save Instagram lives um, and whatnot. It was only, they'd only ever be up for 24 hours. So a podcast was needed. So I really tapped into this market, I believe at least. I tapped into it before it became as popular as what it is now and as saturated as it is now. Now that doesn't mean that the market is too saturated if you want to be a coach, have your own business, etc. It just means that you need to learn how to stand out and be unafraid to stand out. That's all it means. So in 2019, I was traveling a lot. Um, I did a really big Europe trip. I My business absolutely blew up. I had group programs happening. My income skyrocketed. It, it was truly incredible. The impact that I was starting to be able to have was massive because I was able to take so many more clients into my programs and through my healing because I started to run these group programs. Prior to that, I only ever had one-on-ones. I was very capped. And because of my intense desire to just help everybody, I would burn myself out by taking on way too many clients every week because I so badly wanted to help everybody that, you know, came into my inbox. I'm just quickly interrupting the episode for some very important information. If you guys haven't seen in your emails or on my Instagram story, I have created a New Year's Eve bundle that you will not want to miss. Every year, I continue to manifest more and more in the space of 12 months. And I truly believe it's because I set myself up for success each and every year. And I start that at the end of the year before I go into the new year. So in the New Year's Eve bundle, I'll be teaching you exactly what I do each December and January in terms of embodiment, energetics, and action so that you can be blown away by seriously your own life. So in the bundle, you get number one, one audio track that is a high vibrational manifestation audio track that is only found in this New Year's Eve bundle. The second thing that you get is a journaling audio track, also very high vibrational, that is going to help you to take your journaling practice up a notch because we really want you to be feeling in your body as you are journaling. That audio track is going to help. Then you also have a call, a video that goes for about one hour. And we did this live on December 7th. So I love doing live calls and then having that replay available because there is so much energy in those live calls that you still get access to, even if you're watching the recording. So don't think that because you couldn't join live, it's not as powerful. It's still, it still is. Then the last thing that you get is also a really in-depth PDF. It's also really pretty that you will use to support yourself in your practice through December, January, and all through 2023. So the details for that are below and let's get back into the episode. Oh my God, ladies, the tickets for my Australia event are back. This is my only event in Australia and we have planned my calendar for this year, 2023, and then we're getting married next year in 2024 and who knows what is in store for 2025. So, oh my God, that sounds crazy, 2025. So if you've been saving up or you've been wanting to work with me, this is your sign and your chance to do so. The event is seriously going to quantum leap your healing as there is really no self-sabotage that can rear its ugly head because you are in person with me, not behind a computer screen. And you're in an environment that will really support you in condensing time as you literally go through a healing portal and come out looking different 
on the other side and obviously in a good way. Seriously, the before and after pictures are wild. So the ticket link is below for you to check out. There is a payment plan and a pay in full option. And a reminder, this is the only time that I am coming coming to Australia to do this event. And there is no other event out there like this. It is fun. It is high vibe and it is deep and healing. And there are tears like it is two ends of the spectrum. And it is the most nourishing three days that you will probably ever have in your life. Not to mention you will make incredible lifelong friends. So I went to Europe for, I think it was two months or maybe six weeks. And I was traveling around by myself. It was incredible. Honestly, I, I think that every single person should do a trip to Europe by themselves. It was a once in a lifetime thing that I would seriously recommend for everybody. So did that in 2019. Then towards the end of 2019, in around August, um, maybe it was end of July, beginning of August, sometime around that, I did my first retreat. I did this in Australia in Byron Bay. And this is what allowed me to realize, holy shit, I love in-person work. I love online work and I'm really grateful that I built a business where the online stuff works just as well, if you let it, obviously, as the client. It works just as well as doing an in-person event. Um, because the reality is that not everyone can travel for it. When COVID happened, I was very well set up to be fine during it. I was more than fine during it, financially and business-wise, that is, um, emotionally otherwise. <laughs> um, but I do love that I'm able to do now in-person and online work because it means that it's just feasible for everybody. And now I've built a business, obviously, where there is something for everyone and the amount of free resources that I've created. It's just something that I'm really, really proud of. So I did my first retreat in Byron Bay in Australia, which was fabulous. It definitely made me learn, though, that I couldn't do a small, intense one like that again, where I'm on site with you for like four or five days. It was too much. I was so burnt out afterwards. I was, I was actually quite sick afterwards. It was too much for my like energetic system and for my nervous system. So now the way that I do my events is a way that works so well, not only for you guys, but also for me. And if it works for me really well and it supports me, obviously it supports you guys even more so. So now with my events, you know, we have the three big days. I'm not on site. No one's on site. Um, what, what I mean by that is everyone organizes their own accommodation. We come to the event and then we leave the event space. And I like this because it allows everyone to have their own breathing space and their own processing space after really big days. So I actually think that the way that I do it is kind of fantastic like that. I think it's really supportive for the healing. Um, anyway, so I did my Byron event and then I actually moved from Sydney to New York towards the end of the year. I went to Aspen. I lived there for maybe two months before I went to New York. So what was really interesting about this was at the beginning of 2019, I remember so clearly having a mental breakdown and being on the phone to my friend. I was sitting next to my bed with my back against like my bed frame. And I was crying because we just come back from a New York trip. And for those of you that don't know, I grew up in New York. I was born in Melbourne, but I moved to New York when I was 13 months old and I grew up there. We left when I was seven years old. So all my childhood memories, all my memories of like Christmas and all that kind of stuff are in New York from my childhood. And I loved it. New York is my home. It's my soul's home. 1000%. I'll go on that in a second. Cause I know a lot of you now know I don't live in New York anymore. Anyway. So I was desperate to get back to New York and I remember us going there, me and my friend, Jordan, we went there the beginning of 2019. It was snowy. It was, it was just the best trip. I still remember it. And we came back and I was so worried that I wasn't going to save and have enough money by the end of the year to move to New York. And I had this mental breakdown and it really allowed me to release the idea that I have to move to New York by the end of the year, as in 2019. I actually allowed myself to release it and knowing that, you know what, if I don't move at the end of this year, it's going to be okay. I will move next year because I don't want to move to New York with no money. You do not want to move to New York with no money. It's the most expensive city in the world, quite literally. Um, it actually is. And you need money to survive, like to actually live a nice life there and even a decent life. You need about a hundred grand a year to live a very average life and standard of living in New York. So I committed to myself that I wasn't going to move to New York until I was making a hundred grand a year, but that was unfathomable to me. I mean, I don't even think I'd made $30,000 a year by this point. Um, 
I was, you know, I really was scraping by. I was pretty fresh out of school, had my gap year. I was trying to do university and also run a business. And I had a side job. There was a lot going on. Um, But as my business started to take off in 2019, I started to make a lot more money. Reason being is obviously I was getting really good at my job. I was becoming a leader in the industry, a very new industry still at that point. And I was having group programs where I could have a lot more people in my world. So, you know, I remember still to this day making a couple thousand dollars in a day and just being like mind fucking blown because I had never experienced that before. So, I remember releasing this idea that I had to move to New York by the end of the year and I moved to New York earlier than the end of the year. Um, I manifested, uh, I manifested and took a lot of action on, of course, that I actually, I manifested the hundred K earlier than I thought. I actually ended up making $600,000 Aussie that year. And it's not about the, just about the money. Like, yes, that's fantastic. What that represented though was, oh my God, my business went from making 30 ish thousand dollars the year before and me burning myself out to no end to making $600,000 a year. And I've been traveling Europe and working at the same time, living my best life, having the most incredible client sessions, having so many people, you know, that I'm able to help now, et cetera, et cetera. And I get to move back to New York where I am my happiest and do my job that I love there. So I moved back to New York towards the end of 2019, which was incredible and absolutely loved living there. So fucking happy being back there. Like it is just, it truly is one of my most ideal places in the world. Now, as I've matured and traveled more and lived more places, I realize that it isn't just also what it seems. Living in New York is a very, very challenging experience. The stress on your body, the chaos all the time. I mean, if you haven't lived there, you don't, it's like living there and traveling there are two completely different things. I cannot tell you the amount of times being in New York when I've lived there, because I lived there twice, well, like since leaving Australia, more of that in a second. I cannot tell you the amount of times that I have been on the verge of tears going to Whole Foods, coming back from Whole Foods, or the verge of tears walking the dogs or trying to get to dinner. It is a very, very stressful city. And going to get the groceries becomes, you know, a 45 an hour long experience where you just want to pull your fucking hair out and you're so tired, you're sweating hot, or you're freezing your ass off. And you've only gotten groceries enough for two days because you can't, you can only carry two bags. So it's just like, it's a whole thing. Anyway, so I moved back there and, um, where did I have Christmas that year? My parents came over for Christmas. So we had Christmas us three together that year. Where did we do it? We did it in New York. We had Christmas us three together in New York. And I was actually living in a hotel for a while and I was renting out a friend's apartment that she was subletting. Um, so carrying on now we're into the new year of 2020. We still don't know any COVID things are happening. And I was living in my friend's place at this point, subletting. Um, And if you know New York, you're basically not allowed to rent your apartment out to other people. Airbnbs are illegal, et cetera, et cetera. So the board of the building found out, like, it's funny how you own these apartments, but you actually don't really own the apartments. It's really fucked. So the board of the building found out that she was letting me stay there, even though I was, and I I was paying rent as well. Um, Anywho, so they kicked me out. And I had literally that afternoon to find a new place to live. So I was freaking the fuck out in a full-blown panic because I had to pack up this whole apartment that I'd been living in for a few months. I had so much stuff that I'd collated and I need to find another place to live. And I didn't want to go back and live in a apartment because it's, sorry, live in in a hotel room because it's just not ideal. It's just not ideal living in a hotel room. It's small, it's crampy. The hotel rooms in New York are super expensive and they're really fucking small. So anyway, I actually ended up having a huge quantum leap in terms of what I allowed myself to experience. And I ended up booking the most beautiful, huge, like loft warehouse situation on the water in Brooklyn. I realized that I didn't want to live in Brooklyn at that point for sure, but I had the most incredible, incredible view of the city. So that was amazing. I stayed there until COVID hit. So everything was hunky-dory. Business was excelling. Work was great. Making friends, was dating, doing the whole thing. Loved it. 
life was good. I mean, life was as good as, you know, we look back and we say that life was, was good. There were hard stuff. There was, there was boy drama. There was relationship stuff. There was homesickness. I'm sh- actually, there wasn't homesickness during that point. There was a lot of homesickness when I moved to London during COVID. I was making friends. I went through the ups and downs of moving to a new city. And New York was one of the cities where it's the busiest city in the world and it's the loneliest city in the world. If you don't have friends there and you don't make the effort to make friends, it can be a very, very lonely city. So I knew that going into it. My mom heavily informed me from when you know they moved there when I was a baby and then had my brother and sister. So I really made an effort from the get-go to make friends, to go out. When someone would invite me, I would say yes and I would show up, et cetera. So then COVID happened and um, obviously everyone was kind of in a panic at the beginning. It was just, everyone's just watching it and I just thought it was going to blow over like, okay, whatever, it's a fucking flu. And then obviously things got more and more serious, more and more fear, et cetera. So because of the visa that I was on at that point, um, oh wait, I forgot to mention, I also had my first big event in New York. So I had my first big event in New York in November. I always have events in November for some reason. I love the month of November. So I had my first big event in November in 2019, which was incredible. So many people um, flew over from Australia and everything. It was just such, it was just, I can't even describe it. It was my first event like that where I ran it for three days, wasn't staying at the same location. So different from a retreat, it was intense. It was deep. It was so transformative. And it definitely made me realize that I love, love, love doing in-person events. I've always loved public speaking. I will say that I love to speak. You guys have probably gathered that one, but I love to public speak. I love being on stage. I love all that kind of stuff. I love talking and sharing and educating and helping. And I'm not afraid of those dark emotions and people's stuff. So the event was just, it was an, it was an environment where I was able to blend all those things that I love together. Um, anyway, so I had my event that was incredible. COVID came, etc. So because of the visa that I was on, I didn't want to get like deported out of the country or get stuck. So I wanted to stay and I obviously I didn't really know. No one knew what was going on. So my parents really wanted me to go back to Australia. I did not. My intuition was really telling me, do not go back to Australia. Do not go back to Australia. So I listened. I trusted that. I had this inkling that if I went back to Australia, I would get stuck. But if I went to London, it'd be likely they would open up all of Europe so we could travel between the countries in Europe. Well, I was right to an extent. So I have a British passport as well as an American, sorry, as well as an Australian passport. I don't have an American passport. Um, obviously I'm now marrying a citizen of America. So I'll get a green card. Um, and then you can have a green card for three years and then apply for citizenship. I don't know whether I'll actually ever even apply for citizenship. That's a whole other conversation. But, um, point being is that I, um, flew to London So within the space of 24 hours, I remember on the news, it was like, we're shutting down London Heathrow at Monday morning at 6am. So I had to get on like a Sunday night flight that arrived in at um, like seven or something am. They were shutting the airport at six for like outgoing flights or whatever. So inbound flights were fine. Um, So I had to pack up like six, seven months worth of, it was about six, it was about five months worth. I had to pack up like five months worth of stuff in this massive, massive warehouse that was converted into a really epic loft apartment. So that was crazy. I had a bunch of friends over. Everyone was just helping me ship stuff. I had friends holding on to things for me, etc. Um, and then I flew out the next morning. It was really stressful, really emotional. It was, I mean, we all probably don't even remember it because of the trauma that it's caused so many of us, but it was a lot. I remember packing. I remember being in the kitchen um, and I remember flying out the next morning. I think it was the next morning. Yes. I remember flying out the next morning. I actually was meant to do another event that March, the weekend that kind of the weekend that I ended up having to fly out. I was meant to do an event and I had to cancel it. It was one of the hardest decisions that I made in my business up to that point. I was like crying about it. I'd flown out my assistant at the time and my videographer, I flew her out from Australia and it was, my intuition was just like cancel, cancel, cancel. So about a week prior, I had to cancel it, which was the worst thing in the world. And this is also why it's really important to know how to run a business because I had to refund everybody, which was completely fine. Um, Anyway, and so 
Yes. I flew, I flew out the same morning that my photographer and videographer flew out. We went to the airport together and whatever and went our separate ways. She went back to Australia and I went to London. Um, anyway, and it was really funny because leading up to that event, things just were so hard. It was like the universe was literally telling me the whole time, don't do this event, don't do the event, don't do the event. And I kept pushing because I wanted to do the event. And the whole time it was like, it was so hard getting places locked in. Actually, there was a blessing in disguise for some reason, the event space like didn't charge my credit card. Like they tra- like it charged, but it, it was being held with the third party provider. Like Stripe, for example, was like holding it for some reason. And so I was able to get a refund for that. And this was maybe like two weeks prior to the event. And, you know, we hadn't really found out COVID was too much of a thing then. It was like kind of talking, being talked about, but not heavily. And I was, so I was still doing the event and the event space reached out to me. like, Hey, you need to pay blah, blah, blah. And it was like, you've already paid. And I said, and they were like, okay, we need to pay again. And then like, we can organize getting that money back that's stuck in the third party provider. And I was like, absolutely not get, give me that money back. And then I will repay. Well, thank God I did that because I got my money back and then COVID hit like literally within, this is all happening within a 48 hour period, COVID hit. And I was like, oh my God, cancel the event. And so I didn't even lose that much money in terms of all the expenses, all the vendors and everything were incredible in terms of giving refunds or keeping credits, et cetera, which was amazing. Cause I ended up doing a New York event anyway, you know, uh, 2022, I guess last year, lol, um, happy new year, everyone last year in April, I did another event. So in New York, so it was all fine. But yeah, so I flew to London and I got really sick when I arrived in London. It, I was, it was a fucking shit show. I was so emotional. I had a full mental breakdown when I arrived. I remember it. You know, my phone was dead. I couldn't contact. Oh no, that's right. My phone wasn't working in London. And I couldn't contact the Airbnb that I booked last minute. And I thought that I booked a level one in a townhouse, but I actually booked the basement. And I was like, this is not a vibe. I am not okay with being underground. Even though I had like a little apartment, like a little like garden at the back. If you understand how those kind of townhomes work, it was like, you have to walk kind of down some stairs to get in the front door and you're like half underground, barely any windows. I just, it was too like low ceilings, not enough natural light. And I don't do well with those things. So I actually got really sick when I arrived. I got COVID and like that first strand and, um, and also strep at the exact same time. I ended up having to go on this really, really intense round of antibiotics. Um, and even still, I was sick for like two weeks afterwards because of how bad the strep throat was. My knee from my ski surgery, like ski accident blew up to the size to so it was so fucking swollen that I had a video call with my physio back in Australia and she actually contacted my surgeon and was worried that I had a bone infection because of how swollen my knee was. So I mean the whole COVID argument is like a whole other kettle of fish. But whatever was going around, whatever, you know, strand of whatever it was, it made me very, very, very sick. And I definitely, it was definitely a lot to recover. Like I understand when people say they have long COVID because that's the inflammation. Just like, you know, you guys would have heard Louise on the Girl Chat episode that Louise had dengue fever and now her brain just like shuts down sometimes mid-conversation and she loses complete train of thought. It's the inflammation that any kind of virus causes your, your body. So Anyway, I was really sick for a while, but everything was fine. Business kept going and I really adapted. I pivoted. And I think this was, this was such a learning experience for me that it taught me that I can pivot. It taught me that I have a strong business, a strong, a strong, uh, community. And most importantly, what I deliver to people is needed and wanted even in times of crisis and even in times of economic insecurity. So um, I was doing, you know, lots of different like masterclasses and healing circles, which I love doing. Queen Alchemy was, you know, needed more than ever during this time. My business took off again to a whole new level. So this was 2020. And this was the first year that I made a million dollars and I became a quote unquote millionaire and that I had a million dollars in the bank, um, during 2020 as well. Um, anyway, and whilst this was all happening, whilst business was going, I was struggling. I was struggling. And it's a lot of it's blocked out in my memory because of the pain that it caused me. And I've healed from all of it now. I've taken myself through a lot of healing work and done a lot of stuff to allow my body to heal from that. 
And there's still so many of you guys that probably aren't even aware of the way that the COVID and pandemic trauma is manifesting. For me, it started manifesting as anxiety in relationships. I've never had an anxious attachment style. I actually usually, if I default into an, a you know quote unquote negative attachment style, it's avoidant. But I became quite anxious in dating during COVID. So in that first apartment that I was in, not a vibe, I moved to another Airbnb and I was kind of on, I moved into this new Airbnb that a lot of you guys would have known. I was in like a big townhouse, it was three bedroom. I had an office there. It was beautiful. Honestly, I really loved it. And sometimes I wish that I could go back and just take one more look and soak it in because I remember in those moments just being so desperate to get out, being so desperate for this to be over because I'm sure as many of you can relate, COVID was a jail sentence for a lot of us. You know, we're stuck in countries that we don't want to be in. We're without family, we're without friends, we're alone. We have no loved ones around us. We are struggling mentally and emotionally. So financially, I was fine. Spiritually, I was fine. Mentally and emotionally, I was not fine. Um, I will say that what kept me together, and I swear to God, what kept me going was my job. There's something that happens to me when I get on my client calls where it's like the whole rest of the world is shut out and I am just in this vortex with my client and I get, I get, I channel my things, I do my modalities, etc. no matter what is going on in my life. And I think that I'm really grateful for that kind of gift because being in the service industry means that obviously you can't let your life affect the way that you shot with your clients. Yes, life happens, but it can't be at the detriment to your paying clients and whatnot. So I will say I get this trait from my dad. My dad is really good at compartmentalizing. I'm really good at compartmentalizing. I could be having like an argument with my fiance and just be like, fuck this, pen it for later. I got to get on this client call and give it an incredible client client call and then get back to it. Um, I don't think everybody can do it. I think that really is a learned gift and uh, Some people, they compartmentalize in a bad way. I used to compartmentalize in a bad way in terms of shutting things out from a trauma response. Now I definitely compartmentalize in a healthy and productive way. It's very productive for me. I couldn't do my job and my life without it. That's for sure. Anyway, but I struggled like so much. I know that I was really vulnerable with you guys during that time as well, sharing the tears, sharing the ups and downs. Um, and I just want to validate for any of you, and I know that I did it during that moment, during that, you know, period of time as well. It was rough. It was rough. I actually got to a point, I remember I was sitting down having breakfast one morning and I actually got to a point where I decided with my family that we could no longer say that we miss each other. We could no longer say it because the pain that it would cause me afterwards was incomprehensible. You know, I it wasn't productive. We got to a point where it was like, this isn't productive for me. And I have to protect myself and put a boundary in that we can no longer say this to each other because otherwise my whole day is just me trying to bottle up my tears to get through the day. Um, one of some other things that I remember in the beginning, it didn't seem scary yet. It was like, Oh, that's gone for another month. Right. We all just thought it was going to happen for like one more month and then it's going to be over. In summertime in London, it was fine. I've lived in London before in my, on my gap year and I hated it. Um, obviously London's also one of those cities where if you don't have any money, you're going to hate it even more. So when I lived there in my gap year and I had no money, I fucking hated it. Living there and having money, it was better. I still just don't enjoy it. I don't mind going back there for like a little trip, see friends, a little holiday, etc. But I definitely could not live there again. The gloominess and the lack of sunlight affects me way too much. I love some moody weather. You guys know I love the cold and I don't need summer all the time, but I cannot have gray days all the time. It just doesn't do it for me. And then I will also say like, I don't know, for some reason, the city of London just isn't my place. That's okay. I don't need to have necessarily a reason for it, but it just isn't necessarily my place. I know some of you guys have shared with me. I bet if you looked up your astro geographical, whatever it's called, chart, you know, London would be like not a good place for you. Interestingly, it doesn't actually show that, but whatever. It's just not the right vibe for me. That's okay. So as some of you guys would remember, what I would actually do that you loved and I loved as well is I would pretend to be in different countries on my Instagram story. And you guys knew this. I'd be like outside in my backyard and I would 
you know, be having a day in Italy and I have my red bikini on and I have gold hoops and I make prosciutto and melon and play music and I make mocktails. And I really worked hard at making a vibe for myself. And I share that a lot with you guys. If you scroll back down on my Instagram, you'll see it. I was sharing the things I did at home. I was sharing the tips and tricks. I was sharing whatever. So I made it as much of a vibe as I absolutely could. And it was definitely a survival mechanism. And looking back, I wish, and you obviously in the moment, there was no way really most of us could, but I wish that I got to appreciate that year being alone more because obviously now life is busy again. And it's like, God, the things I would do to have no social commitments, nowhere to be, nothing to do, no one hounding me. But like you guys know, the grass is always greener on the other side. It's easy to say that now looking back, way harder in it. So there was a couple other key moments. So I remember at one point, um, trigger warning for anyone that has struggled with suicide before. I remember at one point actually sitting on the sofa and fully understanding why people commit suicide. I really, I had this moment where I was in so much agony. I was actually considering going back to Australia. I was in so much agonizing mental and emotional pain and my anxious attachment style was fucking ramping up like I'd never experienced before because nothing had triggered it to that point before. So I didn't know it needed to be here. I didn't even know it was there. And this is why it's like relationship and different seasons of life can trigger different things that you didn't even know needed to be healed or didn't need to be healed because they weren't being poked at. But for a lot of us, we couldn't, we could not silence any of our shit during COVID. Everything was being poked at and I was dating and whatnot during COVID and boy, oh boy, was it being poked at. I mean, everyone's shit was getting poked at in COVID. It wasn't just mine. We were all having every wound that we didn't even know existed come up in COVID. Everyone was so desperate for love and attention. Everyone was honestly their worst selves during that period of time. Everyone was in rough spaces. Everyone was behaving in ways that they would never behave today, et cetera. Anyway, so I remember sitting on the sofa. It was like a Sunday afternoon. I think I just spoken to my cousin or something on the phone. And I, yeah, I remember sitting there being like, wow, I actually understand why people commit suicide. And it wasn't that I was suicidal. It was that I was, I felt like I could not escape my pain. The pain wasn't the emotion. It wasn't the anxiety or anything like that. The pain was this jail sentence that the governments or whatever you want to believe put us in of no timeline, of no seeing other people, of you have to survive being alone. You can't go home. You can't get back into the like to the country. You can't go traveling. You can't go to restaurants. You can't go to a supermarket. You can't leave the house. Like there's all these, you can't, you can't, you can't. And I felt like I was in a jail sentence. I felt like I was a prisoner in my own brain. And I'd experienced this once before, but more so being a prisoner in my own body. And it was not to this extent. When I had my ski accident, which I'll go into in a little bit, I definitely felt that then. Anyway, so that was really big. That was intense. And I actually, I'm glad that I had that experience because I have been quote unquote suicidal, not to any extreme, but more so the thought of I want to die once before when I had my jaw surgery. Um, I remember if you don't know jaw surgery, it's the worst thing in the fucking world. In my opinion, basically they break your jaw. So essentially for me, I was born, I think I had done a, I have done a episode on this. I think I was born with a class three underbite and you wouldn't have, t- have been able to tell when I was like a teenager and a young adult because like, yeah, like in my, like when I was like 18 and everything, because I had such extensive orthodontic work and other surgeries that they were able to, with braces and everything, hold my teeth and like wearing a retainer at night, et cetera, hold my teeth in a certain position so that my top jaw was just in front of my bottom jaw. But what it meant was that because my bone structure wasn't like that, I was going to have to wear a retainer and be careful of not letting my jaw slip back for the rest of my life. Well, that obviously meant that I was constantly stressed about forgetting my retainer or not wearing it for a night, et cetera, et cetera, because it wasn't a good look. It didn't make me feel good, you know, being an adult and then having the wrong bite and they couldn't correct it properly because of the structure, like the, the bone structure of my face. 
Anyway, so I actually had to get jaw surgery and basically what they do is kind of graphic, but I want to explain it to you guys because I didn't know this. I I didn't want to know how they did the surgery until – actually, I didn't want to know ever. I just said, then fucking do it, but I don't want to know how you do it. I found out how they did it by my stitches. So what they do is obviously you have your gums above your top teeth. So I just had my upper jaw broken and moved. They have to – cut up your, like they have to like cut your gum off your teeth and basically peel your face off you so that they can see the bones underneath your skin. Like, oh my God, my stomach is churning. So they like, if you're, if you're watching the video, it's like they cut up in here, up your gums, like up right up there. So they cut up like underneath your lip. If you were to put your tongue up to your upper lip, you'd feel that kind of like, like attachment-y thing that you kind of have like between your fingers, like there, they cut up through there. And they peel your face off. They broke my jaw underneath my eyes. So where your like cheekbones kind of are connecting closer to your nose and right underneath your eyes, they broke that space and put metal plates in there and then like sewed my face back together. Fucking disgusting. It is about a three-year recovery. The swelling is intense and your face looks different because it has to refigure itself out with this new facial structure. You have the same amount of skin, the same everything, but you have like your skin is stretched. So it's very uncomfortable and it it really affected me for the first little while. So anyway, I lost shitloads of weight during this period of time because I couldn't eat anything. And I was so sick. The antibiotics made me violently ill. So I actually, I had to stop them, which was allowed my, I got the clearance because I don't, I didn't eat any sugar by any means back then. I wasn't really fucking eating anything because I couldn't. So nothing could cause like an infection in my gums because I, I ate so cleanly back then. And I would just have to make sure that I was doing the salt water, etc. Anyway. Um, so I remember maybe it was like a couple of weeks into the surgery or something. I can't remember. I was sitting on a chair with the back door open of our house at the time and just remembering I want to fucking die because the pain the emotional, the mental, and the physical pain was out of this fucking world. So I didn't have that full understanding at that point. But when I experienced that again, from like a different perspective of like being in my own jail cell, that's kind of been given to me from somebody else. I definitely realized that I had this little bit, I had, I guess, a taste of understanding of what people are feeling that can urge them to commit suicide because, and this is from my own perspective, obviously guys, because the relief that my brain could feel with no longer being here was fascinating. I'll say that. It was fascinating. It didn't entice me to do anything, but it was fascinating. And that has always stuck with me because I have now this sense of, I guess, sadness combined with peace, but like deep grief all at the same time with people that commit suicide. And when I hear people that commit suicide, and a lot of people did commit suicide during COVID, I hated that people commit, I hate that people commit suicide because of a lack of help and support that breaks my heart more than anything, especially with men. You know, that's heart wrenching. However, there are people that commit suicide even after they've tried everything to get help. And for them, it actually gives them a sense of peace. And like that even makes me emotional thinking about it because like for these people, that's what they're after. And I know for a lot of people, they judge or ridicule or shame people that commit suicide, but it's like, you're not in those, that person's shoes where the the pain of living is worse to them and they just want peace. So, I mean, with that, that was also a reminder for me when I experienced that, of, wow, if I have all of these tools, have healed all of my known trauma at that point, have healed all this stuff, and I am experiencing this, oh my God, what are other people experiencing? It triggered just this intense, it triggered more pain. If you guys remember, there was many times where I was crying on my Instagram stories because of the pain that I was experiencing for everybody else of this thought of if I am experiencing this amount of pain and I am very, very emotionally stable and I've done, I've got, you know, no demons in my head. I, you know, have clear thoughts, et cetera, et cetera, because I've healed all my stuff. What are the people experiencing right now with no job, 
no family, no sense of self, and a whole pile of demons in their head, no money, etc. Like unfathomable kind of things. And it caused me even more pain and stress during that time where I wanted to just help people more and more and more and more because of this realization of if I'm not okay, how are the people that are already not okay pre-COVID even standing right now? And a lot of them didn't, right? Like the suicide rate was through the fucking roof. And even still now, we know that the depression is up about 400%, anxiety, et cetera. It's through the roof because for so many of us, COVID exacerbated and opened up wounds that a lot of us don't know how to fix and heal. And still to this day, people are struggling with. So that was COVID. I I feel like we're going to need a part one and part two for about me actually. So also with during COVID, I did travel. I went to Paris uh, with like a guy that I was seeing at the time, which was really, really fun. We just had a little movie weekend as in like movie moment weekend. I traveled a lot during that time when the door, when the doors were open, when the borders were open compared to my usual amount of traveling. It wasn't that much, but I did what I could, which really helped. I will say one of the things that to this day, I'm like, wow, I manifested this like this was incredible. And hence, I'm always like towards the end of the year, do not lose hope, do not lose hope, do not lose hope of your manifestations, never lose hope of them. Was one thing that I was manifesting all throughout 2020 was to not spend Christmas alone and to have a ski trip. You guys know how important those ski trips are to me. All I wanted was to have a ski trip. I knew that I was going to be fucking miserable if I wasn't working for six weeks. I always take that time off and not skiing and having Christmas alone because you guys know I'm obsessed with Christmas, like absolutely obsessed. I mean, look at my backdrop. So um, anyway, so I was manifesting not having Christmas alone, skiing with someone, having an amazing time, having a great Christmas, blah, blah, blah. Well, that happened very last minute in terms of like, it was happening, I think towards the end of November. Um, a guy that I was seeing earlier in the year that it was like, he was just not in alignment with me at that time. Like whatever, it was just not a vibe. So long story short, it was like, Kate, no to this. He reached out or something and we started talking again because he was really bummed that the borders to France had closed and he was planning a ski trip there. And I was like, well, you know that I will go skiing literally wherever I will fly to Antarctica to go skiing if I need to. Long story short, you guys would probably also remember this, is that we ended up going skiing together and had Christmas together in Zermatt in Switzerland. It was incredible. It was such a beautiful trip. And obviously looking back on it, it's so easy to be like, oh my gosh, like why did I fall for this? There was all these things that was like red flag, red flag, whatever with the situation with him. But in that moment, it gave me so much love, so much peace, so much happiness. And you know, not to get too into that situation with him. I actually will do another episode on those, on that whole situation. I will not because I learned a lot from it and from him as a person. But I also want to just say in terms of relationships, relationships are learning experiences. Even if you look back and you're like, why the fuck did you do that, Monica? That was so fucking obvious, so stupid. Why was he doing that? I was using you X, 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 X. In that moment, you probably felt peace or you needed what he was giving you or whatever it is. It's so easy to look back and judge yourself. Try not to. Try and look back and actually have some kind of love and and you know peace for yourself of looking back like that moniker at the end of 2020, she needed that. Even though he was like quite the douche looking back now, she needed that. That gave her happiness. It, you know, like, and it was an incredible memory that I'm remembering for myself. I wasn't going to just spend time with him. It was more in those situations where I want to go skiing. You want to go skiing. I want to have a nice Christmas. You want to have a nice Christmas. Let's go to Switzerland together. And the fact that I didn't have to do it alone was worth it. No, it wasn't perfect. No, it wasn't, you know, my fiance or anything like that. But in that moment, it's what I needed. And I'm probably, okay, I'm going to do a part two. So in part two, you'll see that I needed that experience with him to actually then be the catalyst that got me back to America. So I've shared this before in some episodes, but we were sitting down having dinner or something. It was like, I don't know, maybe the beginning of, okay, no, it was like, we just had New Year's. So it would have been the beginning of 2021, like Jan 2nd or Jan 1st. And I was sitting at the island bench in this ridiculous penthouse that I got, like glass ceiling, snow, you're looking straight at like the Zermatt. What's that like? 
mountain thing. Oh my God, I can't remember it. The Matterhorn, Matterhorn. And it was just absolutely incredible. And he, I was so sad about leaving. And I didn't have to leave obviously because of work, but he needed to because of his job. And I was so sad about leaving. And he said to me, he said, Monica, if I had a job like yours and I could go anywhere, I would be. He's like, I have not seen you this happy ever. And granted, he didn't know me that well. But once we started talking again in November, we hung out a few times, you know, as friends and whatnot prior to um, going on the ski trip just to make sure like everything was in alignment, we were good, et cetera. Like, you know, we would have a fun time together. And he was like, you are so happy skiing. And it's true, I am. You're so happy in the snow. You're so happy in the mountains. You're so happy skiing. He said, if I was you, no, you know what he said? He said this word for word. He said, I have realized now that you, I have realized now that manifestation is real. When a man says that to me, I'm like, holy shit. He said to me, I realize now that manifestation is real and that all your quote unquote woo-woo things where you're channeling and your psychic, et cetera, is real. So for example, his mom died a while ago and it's really hard for him. And I can talk to his mom. And I brought this up to him one, at one point, never met her. He hasn't told me much about her, et cetera. And she was, and he was inquisitive one night and was like, okay, tell me about her. So I channeled in, tapped in, literally got her name right, description of what she looks like, her energy, like an outfit that she was wearing that I saw, et cetera. It was like spot on. So he really was like, okay, this stuff's real. And he'd seen me manifest things. So he was like, okay. We had a few instances getting to Zermatt. You guys would know this from listening to previous episodes where like our car broke down in the middle of the night in France. And we were in a full lockdown, guys, in London. You weren't allowed to leave London. You weren't allowed to drive through France because the police were out and like they'd put you in fucking jail. But we were like, fuck it, we're going. And I just manifested and manifested and manifested and got us there. And then Switzerland was going to go into this lockdown of like, not lockdown, but like if you've been in London, you need a quarantine now. And I was like, I'm sorry, none of this is happening. We got out of every fucking situation because I would, he would go into problem solving and I would sit there and manifest. And I'll tell you what, no, that relationship was absolutely not perfect. And he is not my life anymore by any means. We'll do that another episode. But I will say is that it is an example, ladies, that even guy friends, even people, even guys that, you know, aren't your fiance or your husband, men just want to help. Men are logical. Like if you can learn men and understand men, it helped me even in just these these situations with him and that we in our own relationship and our own friendship had our own little roles. I was allowing him to lead. He was allowing me to receive, etc. Point being is that he said to me, point blank, I realized how powerful you are at manifesting. If anyone can manifest to keep skiing and get back to America, it's you. And I put on Vanessa Ambrosini that night, Vanessa Ambrosi, Jesus Christ, Vanessa Ambrosi, Australian artist, Aussies would know her, did a huge fucking dance party in that place and manifested being back in the US. Well, a few months later, I was back in the US. So I'm going to leave the episode there for About Me Part 1 and we'll go into Part 2. I'll give you guys Part 2 in a few days of time.